Good morning. Welcome to First United Methodist Church. We especially welcome any guests that we have with us today. We encourage our guests to see our ushers as we would like to welcome you and uh, we have a gift for you for being with us today. I ask you to notice the attendance folders at the end of your pew to sign those and pass them to the person next to you. Uh, take note of any people on your pew that are new, any guests with us, introduce them and make them feel like family, as that's what we are here at First United Methodist, a family. I thank you for being with us today and for worshiping with us. It is a beautiful morning and a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord. As a reminder, we have a nursery for children up to age three. If you are in need of the nursery, please see an usher and they are happy to help you. We also have Children's Church for children age four through third grade, and all children are invited to attend Children's Church following our children's time. And you'll notice that after children's time, the children will go through this door and down the steps, and that's where Children's Church is located, and parents are welcome to pick their children up there after worship. I have a couple of announcements to share with you. The first being that there are bags of clothing in our fellowship hall that need to be washed for our clothes closet. We get many donations of clothes in that we share with our community, and we are so thankful for those gifts, and we like to wash them and have them returned before we give them out to our clothes closet friends. So if you would be able to pick up a bag of clothes and take them home and wash them, we are so thankful for that and return them to the church. A couple of announcements found in your bulletin. The first is that we have the church picnic is coming up. It is on Tuesday, June 26th at 5.30 p.m. at the Fieldale Park. And this is a covered dish picnic, but fried chicken will be provided by the fellowship committee. So we invite you to come out, bring your favorite side dish, and enjoy a time of fellowship with your neighbors and your family in Christ. There is a playground for the children and lots of open space for running and for playing frisbee and ball, so it's a great time, so come on out. Also coming up on June 29th through 30th, we are having a mini mission event for our older children of the church. It's called Small Hands Big Mission, and it's a 24-hour mission experience for 4th through 7th graders. As these children grow into the youth program and as they grow into doing overnight missions, this is a good way to start them to experience this. And part of that mission event, we will be making hygiene kits for our lunch bunch and food bank, friends and family. And we are asking for your help. For the next couple of weeks, we will be taking donations of shampoo and conditioner, toothbrushes and toothpaste. You'll see a full list in your bulletin and we would love to have your help. Also, Vacation Bible School is the week of July 16th through 20th. We welcome any children. Registration is open, and you will find a list of supplies that Annette is asking for if you're able to help. This uh, year, it'll be Rolling River Rampage, and it's going to be a great, a great week full of fun. I thank you again for this morning, and um, you are welcome, and we're happy to have you here today.
I invite you to please stand and join us in our call to worship found in your bulletin. We gather to give thanks to you, O Lord, with all our heart. We will sing your praises before all creation and rejoice in your steadfast love. You have created us, O Lord, and made us for yourself. In you we become everything you have made us to be. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this beautiful morning and the ability to gather together with friends and family and worship you today. We thank you for this church and for a beautiful day where we can look out and see your creation and the works of your mighty hand. In your name we pray. Amen. I invite you to go across the aisle and pass the peace in Christian fellowship. Please join us in our opening hymn, Come, Come, Everybody Worship, in the Faith We Sing.
Thank you. You may be seated. Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from Psalm 138. First, let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word, your word that is alive and new every time we read it. Help us today, Lord, to hear you in new ways and to understand your word and your gifts to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Psalm 138. I give you thanks, O Lord, with all my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I will give thanks to your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness because your promises are backed by the honor of your name. When I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me the strength I need. Every king in all the earth will give you thanks, O Lord, for all of them will hear your words. Yes, they will sing about the Lord's ways, for the glory of the Lord is very great. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will preserve me against the anger of my enemies. You will clench your fist against my angry enemies. Your power will save me. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. The word of God for the people of God. And now invite our children to come up for our children's time. Come sit in front of you so you can see me. Well, boys and girls, can you tell me something that you are scared of? I'm scared of thunder and lightning. Thunder and lightning. A lot of people are. And I'm scared of big dogs. Big dogs. What is it? Thunder. thunder. Bats. Bats. Mm-hmm. The darkness. Mm-hmm. Lightning, yeah, very popular answers. Thunder and lightning, big dogs, and the dark. Well, you said one that I was scared of when I was little, and sometimes a little bit today, too. What is it? Being scared of the dark. I remember when I was younger, maybe a little bit older than you, I would go visit my grandmother and my uncle, and they lived right next door, and I would stay until dark, and then I would have to walk home. And it wasn't very far just around the corner, but sometimes it would be dark, and very dark. And we didn't have street lights where we live. It's out in the country, and so I would have to walk home. And even though I knew everything around there, I knew who my neighbors were, and I knew those sounds were crickets and owls, I couldn't help but think, it has to be a werewolf. That's what it is. I know it. I knew it in my heart. And it would scare me every time, and sometimes I would run home. Even though I knew what it was, it still scared me. But you know one thing that made me less scared? That a flashlight. I would carry a flashlight with me. And whenever I shined that flashlight, I could see what was in front of me. And it would make those worries in my mind go away. Because I could see, oh, that's just the wind in the leaves. Or that's just an owl or a bird. Not all those things that I was scared of. Or crickets, uh-huh. You're right, and that flashlight helped me. And you know, in the Bible, Jesus says that he is the light of the world. He is our light, because there are things in life that can be scary for us, but Jesus is like our flashlight too. He shines out before us so that we can see that there really isn't that much to be scared of because Jesus is ahead of us, guiding us and leading us, and he's that light ahead of us, already taking care of all the scary things. We're going to have a prayer. All right, let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for these children and for today, and that you are the light of the world, that you are our light, shining ahead of us, 
taking away some of those scary things that we may wonder about. I thank you for giving us strength in times of fear. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, you can go to Children's Church now. This morning comes from Mark chapter 3, verses 20 through 35. Let us hear the word of God. When Jesus returned to the house where he was staying, the crowds began to gather again. And soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him home with them. He's out of their mind, they said. But the teachers of religious law, who arrived from Jerusalem, said, He's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets the power to cast out demons. Jesus called them over and said to them by way of this illustration, How can Satan cast out Satan? A kingdom at war within itself will collapse. A home divided against itself is doomed. And if Satan is fighting against himself, how can he stand? He would never survive. Let me illustrate this. You can't enter a strong man's house and rob him without first tying him up. Only then can his house be robbed. I assure you that any sin can be forgiven, including blasphemy. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. It is an eternal sin. He told them this because they were saying he had an evil spirit. Jesus' mother and brothers arrived at the house where he was teaching. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd around Jesus and someone said, Your mother and your brother and your sisters are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, These are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother, my sister, and my mother. The word of God for the people of God.
Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the beautiful gift of music that you have given here in this place and for the voices that have been lifted to you and the music that has been lifted to you. I ask now that you open our ears and our hearts that, and our minds that we may hear your word and understand you anew. And may my words be those of you, Lord, and not my own. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, choir. That was beautiful. Can't you just feel the spirit of the Lord moving in this place as they sing and as the music is lifted this morning? I welcome you this morning. Those of you who may not know me, my name is Megan Mitchell, and I'm the youth and young adult minister here at First United Methodist. <laughs> Pastor Keith and his wife Paula are away this weekend. They are at the Outer Banks performing a wedding ceremony for um, longtime friends of theirs, and so we lift them in prayer as they travel home later this evening. This morning, um, many of you may know that I have recently had a daughter. Our daughter, Madeline, is just a little over three months old, and if you've seen me in church the last five weeks, I always have her strapped to my chest during worship, so uh, this morning without her there, I kind of feel like I'm missing a limb, so I thank you for being patient with me this morning, but I am happy to have her and my parents and my grandmother here with us this morning. Throughout the month of June, we have been focusing and will continue to focus on the life of Christ in the Gospel of Mark. Last Sunday, Pastor Keith read from chapter 2 in the book of Mark, and we witnessed Jesus healing a man's hand on the Sabbath, which drew sharp criticism from the teachers of the law. The teachers were more focused on the law than on the child of God in need before them. Today in Scripture, we continue to follow Jesus as he arrives at the home where he is staying for a time of rest. As Jesus and his disciples arrive, they are surrounded by crowds of people wishing to see him. Jesus has been performing miracles of healing and casting out demons. As people heard about Jesus' works, they wanted to see him and experience his healing touch. The crowd and the demand is so great that Jesus and his disciples are unable to even find time to eat. Imagine the scene in your mind. Jesus and his disciples returning home in hopes of resting after a long day of preaching and healing and doing the work of God. And they are tired, ready for a break, ready to eat, only to have not just company arrive, but crowds arrive and surround them. The crowds are full of people desperate to see Jesus and to hear his words of healing and care. As the crowd grows, Jesus' family, most likely his mother and cousins, who are often called brothers and sisters, arrive out of concern for him. Jesus was performing healings on the Sabbath, associating with unclean and sinful people such as lepers and tax collectors and casting out demons. His family comes to take him away. The New Revised Standard Version says, they came to restrain him, thinking he was out of his mind. I'm sure they were concerned about Jesus' health as he wasn't eating, but they were also concerned for his mental state and the way they themselves would be reflected upon because of his actions. How are we going to look? Jesus' family are unable to see who he truly is because of their worry. Jesus is teaching and offering forgiveness of sins and casting out demons, something only God has the authority and the ability to do. They thought he must be out of his mind. Not only were Jesus' words and actions reflecting on himself, but also on his family. I imagine them saying to one another, Jesus is causing a lot of upheaval with the Jewish leaders and in the synagogue, and he's drawing a lot of attention to himself. We are going to be judged as just as crazy as he is. We have to do something. We have to take him away. He must not realize what's happening. While Jesus' family is arriving in hopes of taking him away, the scribes arrive from Jerusalem. The scribes were experts on Jewish life and law, 
They kept the Torah and studied and interpreted the law. The scribes followed strict rules, which they followed in order to make copies of the Torah. Jesus is teaching and interpreting the law different than the scribes, the people who have dedicated their lives to interpreting and teaching law. Imagine what the scribes must have been thinking. We are the experts in the law. We have dedicated our lives to this, and now this man comes along and teaches differently than us. How can he teach the law, offer forgiveness, and cast out demons as if he has authority from God himself? Everywhere he goes, there are crowds following him. We must put a stop to this man. The scribes are unable to recognize Jesus as the Messiah and Son of God because of their fear. Jesus is seen as a threat to them and their interpretation of the law, their very livelihood. If he is right, then they must be wrong, and they can't be wrong. Instead of listening to Jesus and witnessing the miraculous works he performs, the scribes begin to spread rumors and accuse Jesus of being possessed. The very two groups that should be the first to recognize Jesus as the Holy Son of God are the first to doubt him through their worry and their fear and their pride. As much as I want to condemn Jesus' family and the scribes in this story, I can't help but understand their complaints to a degree. I'm sure I'm not alone in having felt like Jesus' family at times, being at a family gathering or out in public with a friend or a family member and thinking, what if this person is too loud? What if they tell a story that only they think is funny or if they make that joke that really is off color and should not be told in public? I don't want to disrupt someone or cause a scene. I have to get them out of here before too much damage is done. Worry makes us unable to experience what we have today because we are drawn to think about tomorrow and what we don't have. One of the greatest tools that I think that Satan uses, uses to draw us to worry is comparison. It starts out innocent and simple, but can lead us to dark places. I think about the internet and social media and the impact it has had on our mental health and the way we see ourselves in relation to others. Online, we can share what we want. We can share with others who we want to be, what we want them to see. We can share this perfect image without anyone really knowing who we are. You open your phone or your computer to see perfect pictures of perfect families in perfect places. And if you're anything like me, you can't help but think, if this is how they look, then what must be wrong with me and what I'm doing in life? Welcome in worry, doubt, and often depression. In those moments of comparison, it's hard to think about the number of photos they likely took to get that perfect one, or how many filters or photoshopped things had to happen to take out those wrinkles and add in that perfect ray of sunshine, or what those people were doing five minutes before the picture was taken and five minutes after. Comparison and worry cause us to be a house divided, distracted from seeing the active work of God around us and within us. While reading our scripture and the accusations made by the scribes, I want to point my finger and shake my head at them, but as a new mother, I do somewhat understand the frustration and fear that lives within them. I think back to just over 14 weeks ago when my daughter Madeline was born. I remember the, the doctor put this perfect, beautiful baby on my chest, and he said, congratulations, it's a baby girl. And as I'm holding her and getting to know this miracle of life, it's almost as if the doctor turned around, came back in the room, and placed something else on my chest and said, here's worry and fear. It's your gift for the rest of your life. Because that is what has walked with me this entire journey thus far. From the very beginning, I have been filled with questions and what ifs. What if she isn't eating enough? What if she never sleeps? What if I never sleep? What if it's not supposed to look and smell that way? All of these questions that come along with new parenthood. And one that hangs especially heavy for me at times 
and I'm sure was heavy on the minds of the Jewish scribes, was what if everything I've been saying and teaching all these years is wrong? What if I acted like I knew what I was doing, but really I didn't? And what if other people find out? I imagine the scribes thinking, what if the way we've interpreted the law all these years is wrong? What if the guidance and direction we have been given is really judgment and misinterpretation and a lack of compassion? What does that mean for us and how we will be viewed? That just can't be. I'm sure the scribes were terrified of the message Jesus taught and what it meant for them in their future. Therefore, instead of stopping to listen and understand Jesus and his teachings, fear drove the scribes to make accusations against him. Fear has a way of making you feel like you're going to lose everything you have and everything you've worked for. Just as we see in the scribes and their relation to Jesus, fear can fuel us to make accusations and rumors about others just to make ourselves feel better. I'm sure we've all seen this in action in our lives before, especially when something new comes around. A new coworker gets close to the boss. What does this mean for me and my job and for that promotion I've been working towards and hoping for all these years? There must be something more there than meets the eye. My friend meets someone new at work and begins spending time with them. What does that mean for me and for my friend and our relationship? My spouse isn't talking much or spending time at home this week. Something else must be going on. Fear freezes us in place, unable to move forward and often causes us to dig ourselves deeper in holes that we can't get out of. While Jesus' family and the Jewish scribes let worry and fear draw them away from Jesus, he responds to each of them. Jesus hears the scribes and their accusations of evil and possession. In verses 24 through 27, Jesus says, If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But his end has come. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder it without first tying up the strong man. Then, indeed, his house has been plundered. You see, Jesus has overpowered Satan bound him and taken what Satan had claimed for his own. And the very division that the scribes accuse of being within Jesus is instead in their own hearts. As Jesus' family arrives, instead of going to them, Jesus points to the crowd around him, claiming them as family, his mother, his brother, his sister. While Jesus' blood family has become a house divided because of their worry, The people crowded around Jesus are focused on him and serving God's will. They are eager to hear Jesus' words, experience his healing touch, and share what they have seen and experienced with others. I know it can be hard to put worry and fear behind us. It's one of those things that's easier said than done. Oh, don't worry. Oh, don't be afraid. But it's hard. I know when we first brought Madeline home, I was scared of everything. It's this small baby that depends on me for for everything. Even her head, I can't let, you know, move or fall. And, And that fear and worry gripped me to the point of not sleeping and um, just built upon itself. And I remember in one of those tearful days and nights um, that are hard to remember now, my husband looking at me and saying, have you prayed? Have you stopped and prayed? And, and, and normally that's the first thing that I'm to do. But I was so worried and scared that I, my eyes had been distracted from God. I didn't see him in front of me, even though this miracle of life came from him. And so Brandon took my hand, and we took Maddie's teeny tiny hand, and we prayed together that God would, would comfort us and ease this turmoil that was inside of us these worries that something was going to go wrong or that I wasn't going to be the mom that I had a hope for or that we were going to let her down. 
And there have been some nights that we have missed, but for the most part, every night we join together in prayer, whether it's holding hands or over the phone when my husband works night shift. And I can't tell you the difference that that has made in our lives and in my own life in terms of trusting God and, and his faithfulness to me. When we are dedicated to doing the will of God, loving and serving our neighbor, and seeking God's face, we are fully who we are meant to be. Not a person divided by worry or fear or thinking that we can change things, but instead a person united in Christ with one purpose and one goal, to be in relationship with him and in relationship with each other. Jesus offers us this beautiful life he offers that to us. Not only is the crowd in Scripture Jesus' family, but we are invited to be that family as well, united with him in the family of God, if we only turn our eyes upon him and seek his face. Amen. I invite us now to stand and join in our hymn. I missed my bulletin, so it'll be up here. <laughs> It is, who is my mother, who is my brother, and the faith we sing. Please be seated. Now I invite our ushers to come forward as we share our tithes and our offerings. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the gifts that you have given us. We ask, Lord, that you bless our gifts, that we may share them with others, share them for your kingdom and for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.
Please be seated. Now comes the time in our service where we offer our prayers and our praises to the Lord. During our prayer, I will offer a time of silence where I invite you to lift your, your prayer concerns and your joys to the Lord as we pray together as a family in Christ. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for the ability to gather together as a family in Christ, that we can join together in worship and in fellowship and support and care of one another. Lord, we ask that you be with all those on our heart that are in trouble today, that are suffering through pain, through separation, through trial. Lord, we especially lift to you the families of Don Holsinger and B. Mitchell. We lift to you Betty Holsinger and Terry Mitchell as they have lost the loves of their life this week. We thank you for Don and for B and for their lives and for the legacy that lives on through their family. And Lord, we lift to you this morning Derek Soper, who is part of our family here at first. Derek, uh, Lord, you know, had a heart attack this morning and is in the hospital, so we lift him to you and ask that you care for him and that you be with his doctors and the nurses and all of the staff that are caring for him now. And we lift to you his wife and his children. And we thank you for the example of a wonderful father that Derek has given for his girls. And we pray for him and his health and that he will continue to be a loving father and husband. Lord, there are many on our hearts today. We, many of us know someone that is struggling with health issues and fighting disease and um, especially cancer that is such a, an awful plague to our world and to our loved ones. And Lord, we, we know those in our life that are struggling and you, you hear the, the names on our hearts and those that we lift to you today. And we thank you, Lord, for the work that you are doing in our lives. And now, Lord, we lift to you those names, those concerns, and those joys. Lord, in your mercy, our prayers. Lord, we thank you for the way that you are at work in our world. Oftentimes, our world can leave us feeling hopeless as we turn on the television and watch the news and see stories of war and of pain throughout our world. It's easy to, to feel like there is no hope when we see and hear of stories of shootings in schools and of fights between neighbors. And it just seems like love is lacking a little bit today. But we know, Lord, that you are a Lord of love, that you are a Lord of hope. And we ask, Lord, that you help us to see you and to see you at work in our world, that we can focus our eyes on you and not on the things that distract us, on those things that give us worry and fear. Lord, we thank you for today. And we lift to you now the prayer that you taught us, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I invite you to stand and join in our closing hymn, Tell Me the Stories of Jesus, number 277 in your hymnal.
what a beautiful day to gather together in worship of our Lord. For our benediction today, I ask that you turn in your hymnals to page 349 to the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. As I was preparing for worship this morning, I couldn't help but have this song in my head as I heard, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And I thought, what more beautiful a way to end our service than to sing these words together. So please join us as we lift our voices in song one last time this morning. in peace. Amen.